0: Now, I'm going to go all South Georgia on you for a minute and tell you about a fishing story, if I may. Uh, a few years ago, um, I was on a pond by myself. I, I like to fish by myself because that, may, that means I'm never outfished by anybody else who's in the boat with me, right? And so um, I'm fishing by myself. It was a great, great morning. Um, it was a warm morning. It was a, s- a summer day. And that morning, I caught Tons of fish. I mean, believe it or not, but I did. I mean, I caught a lot of fish, and so at lunch, I decided to go into town, and I'd pick something up else up to eat, and then I'd get back into the boat, and I got back into the boat at one o'clock in the day. Now, if, if fishing's one of your hobbies, you know that in the middle of the day, it's pretty tough fishing, but not on this day. I mean, the fish were biting all day long, okay, and so it's one o'clock. It's hot. I'm sweating, but I'm having the time of my life, and it's just me in the boat, okay, getting my fishing on, all right, and so I throw out the bay, okay? I use a little plastic worm, okay? I like a little plastic worm. And and I throw it out into the deep end of the water. And as soon as I throw it out, all of a sudden, my rod tip bends over, right? And then the fish begins to take off this way. And I'm in a john boat, okay? So I have a little anchor out, okay? But it's not anything compared to this massive fish that I have on the line, okay? And all of a sudden, this fish begins to take my boat, across the pond all right so i was in the deep end and now i'm in the middle of the pond and i look at this fish and all of a sudden this fish is too big to jump out of water okay you ever, any of you men ever had a fish on the line that's too big to jump out of the water okay I have one. All right, so it's too big to jump out of the water. He comes up, and his head's like this big. I mean, it's an ultra bass. I mean, it was definitely a lunker. I was going to put it on the wall. I had it all planned out. As soon as I saw his head come out of the water and shake like this, and I thought, oh, man, this is big. And I got really excited. I think I squealed. And so I'm reeling in the fish, and the head comes out again, and, and, and I'm seeing I'm like, that is one massive fish. And I'm thinking, how am I going to get this fish in the boat? I don't have a net. I could lose it when I get it to the boat. But all of a sudden, he comes up one last time, or, or she, because she was big mama. Okay, she comes up out of the water and kind of just smiles at me and flicks my lure back at me. And I'm like, "Whoa, crushed!" Like in that moment, I mean, if if you would have been there and and saw my boat and the wake behind my boat as this fish was dragging me to the middle of the pond, how big this fish was, and it threw my lure back at me. Now, for those of you who love to fish, you know what you would be tempted to do in this moment, right? You would want to cry. And so I'm, I'm holding back. I'm, I'm not going to cry. But I did pray. I prayed while I fished. Now, you know, we have all, if we are honest, we, we can admit that we have prayed some silly prayers before, okay? But I thought that this was serious enough to pray for. And so I'm there, and my prayer was this Lord, that's the biggest fish I've ever had on my line. If I could just have one more chance. Just one more chance, please. And I mean, I was at the point where either I was going to snap my rod, throw my rod, or just give up altogether. Lord, can I just have one more chance? So I collected myself, paddled back to the deep end, okay? And I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to throw to that same spot. Same spot. Here it is. I've asked the Lord for one more chance. Here it is. I throw to that same spot. And I mean, within one second, boom, the rod tip bends over. And I said, thank you, Lord. And the fish drags off this way 20 yards. That big old head comes up out of the water. Boom spits the lure back at me. And I thought, well, Lord, I didn't ask you to let me catch the fish. I just wanted another chance. That was it, you know? That's my fish story. And you know what? Man, that, that right there got me into fishing, like, more and more. Like, I mean, after that happened, I thought, man, I, I'm going to catch that fish one day. Now, I was fishing in a little pond. It might as well have been an aquarium. But I felt pretty special at that time, right, to catch that big of a fish or have it on my line. But, you know, really, fishing just a hobby for me right? And for many of you, fishing is probably a hobby. And, you know, if I would have gotten that fish, I would have mounted it, you know, I would have put it up on the wall. I don't know where because my wife will not let me put it in the living room. That doesn't make sense, right? I mean, it should be like over the fireplace, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, that's beautiful, babe, right? No, probably would have gone in my little outdoor shed, okay? So if I ever catch another one, that's where it's going, all right? Or actually get it to the boat. But it's just a hobby, you know? These men fishing that we just read about, this was their life. I mean, they didn't catch fish that day. They didn't make money. They didn't make money. They're not happy in life, and they're not making money consistently. They're not living a good life. And there's going to be trouble. There's going to be trouble at home. There's going to be trouble in the community. There's going to be trouble in their life. And so these men needed to catch fish. And, you know, Peter had fished all night. And Jesus comes up on the scene and says, hey, let's go back out. And don't you love when you read in Scripture where man looks to God and says, come on, really? Like, God, I'm a fisherman. Like, this is what I do, okay? I know this. Like, we go back out, we're not catching anything. I don't want to waste time. Now, I want you to hold on to that. Waste time, okay? Just hold on to that. Write that down if you're taking notes, okay? Uh, Waste time. I don't want to waste time. But he says, hey, you know, Lord, at your word, at your word. And, and that's the thing. At God's word, Peter went. Okay? At Jesus' word, he went. And when they threw out their nets, when they cast out their nets, they brought in such a large haul that they had to call in other boats. I mean, this was miraculous. I mean, we wonder why Peter would fall to his knees at this moment and say, You are Lord. Because he knew that this was a miracle. Like, if, if you want to really get to Peter's heart, this was the way, through fishing. And he said, I'm going to show you a miracle. I'm going to show you who I am. But I want you to pick up on something here, because it was more than fishing for actual fish that Jesus would have Peter to do and other disciples, the first few disciples that were called. In fact, it wouldn't just be fishing for fish, it would be fishing for men. Look back at Luke chapter 2, or Luke chapter 5, verse 2. And he says, and when he saw the two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets... So when Jesus comes up, Peter's in the midst of washing the nets. Now, if you look back to Mark chapter 1, 19, uh, you see two disciples, our future disciples, James and John, that are mending their nets. And this is something that fishermen would do. They would mend their nets and they would wash their nets because they needed these nets. I mean, they didn't have rods with lures at the end, okay, and catch for sport. I mean, this was their life. And so they would throw these nets out, hoping that when they threw these nets out, they would be able to bring in an income. And so daily, they would wash the nets. And this process included bringing the nets in, cleaning them thoroughly, hanging them out, so that they would not crack and and dry, so that they would be useful for the long haul. And also, they would mend these nets back together, because these nets would become broken, okay, through much use. And so they would have to tie certain parts of them together, bringing them tightly knit, so that these nets could continue to have their use through time. And so this washing, this washing, washing out the, the... Uh, the pebbles and the sand that would get caught up in these nets and making sure that they stayed clean and and the mending. This was the very process that Jesus was in when he's calling these disciples. He's going to begin the process of mending them together and then to wash them. And he would do this in in, in an amazing way. If you just read through the Gospels, if if you'll go back and look over and just see how he begins to mend these men together. Twelve men, now one of them who was set aside to betray Jesus, Jesus knew this from the very beginning, but he mends them together because he would send them out, and then he would bring them back in, and then he would send them out again, and then eventually they would see the most gruesome death, of Jesus dying on the cross, and then rising from the grave, and then he would come back, and he would bring restoration to them, and then they would be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then he would send them out, and the New Testament church would just explode in growth. But it all began when he gathered these men together and began to mend them together as one. Which meant that you had Matthew who was a tax collector and most of these guys who were fishermen, and you know that they didn't always get along with each other. In fact, a couple of them were still mama's boys. I mean, if you look in Matthew 20, verse 20, you see where the sons of Zebedee, their mom comes up in an embarrassing moment. It's kind of like, Mom, seriously? Like, comes up to Jesus and says, Hey, my two boys, I think they should sit on either side of you. What do you think, Jesus? And Jesus says, I don't think you know what you're asking. I mean, it's like those of you who coach and you have a mom or dad comes up and says, I think my kids should be on the court, okay? And you're thinking, you ain't seen your kid play. All right, so, but Jesus is saying, you don't know what you're asking here. See, so they went through all these things. I mean, these weren't perfect men. Let's not mistake these guys for being perfect. No. I mean, Jesus took the least likely and he brought them in and he said, I'm going to mend you together, but I'm also going to clean you. Like, I'm going to clean you up. You guys are a mess. I mean, there were times where Peter would overstep his bounds, and he began to tell Jesus what to do. And I mean, Jesus holds back, but I mean, he is all powerful, but he's looking at Peter saying, I I could crush you if I wanted to. But no, I, I love you, and I'm patient with you and I'm kind with you, and I'm teaching you, and I'm cleansing you. And he would ultimately shed his blood, which Peter says, no, no, you will not go to the cross. No, you will not do this. No, Jesus, we will fight for you. And he's saying, fight? No, you're fighting for me. is not going to cleanse you. Me giving my life for you on the cross, that's what will cleanse you. And Jesus shed his blood to cleanse them. And so these men who were mended together, who were covered in the blood of Jesus, then go and and change the world as it was, to preach Christ, Christ as Lord. And when you look in Acts and you look beyond, these men begin writing letters, which will be as the New Testament. And they live out the faith. And, man, they are mended together. They are purified. And they are bringing the church together to do what? To go catch men. That's what Jesus came to do. And this is how he taught them. This is what he did for them. And so that's a pretty broad brushstroke, okay? But I want to relate it to us, because if you've seen today, I asked a couple of questions there in an intro in your bulletin. How are we mended and washed today? And what does it mean to be fishers of men? What, what does this look like in today's time? Well, just put it this way. Those who were mended and washed began catching men 2,000 years ago. And ever since then, there have been people catching men for the glory of God. And today, if you're in this building and you are a follower of Jesus, then it is our hope that you are out there catching men for the glory of God. Now, when we're talking about men, obviously we mean men and women, okay? But going out to reach a lost people for the glory of God. How are you mended together? Much in the same way, we're mended together as the church, Now, there's a lot more of us today than there were of 12 that started. These 12 men that came together and then Judas betrayed the Lord as he was going to do. And so, Matthias comes and takes his place in early Acts. So, these 12 men go and then they begin to preach and make disciples as they have been commanded to do by Jesus. And then the church comes together. So you hear me say this a lot, hear me say it again. The church is not walls, brick, and mortar. The church is a group of people that love Jesus, that are knit together in all of our different quirkiness and our different ways. And if you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you will see that we are actually a body that works as one. Now, the challenge for the church is to act as one, right? Unity. That's tough for us. Because we all have our different preferences, we have our different ideas, we have our different tastes, we have our different backgrounds, much like the disciples. But we come together in Jesus. We are mended together by His Word. Not only are we mended together by His Word, but we're also washed by His Word, as we see in Ephesians chapter 5. Not only are we washed by the Word, but we too are washed by the blood. You can look in Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, Revelation 7. 14. 1 Peter 1.19. We are mended together, and we are washed. We have to be washed continually through the Word of God. So as you study God's Word, there's a washing. There's a cleansing. Why? Because we're filthy, right? We're filthy. We are. If we're pressed, if we're squeezed, what comes out of our lives in the moments of temptation, in moments of trial, if it's not the word of God implanted within us and the washing, what comes out is all this filth that we were originally brought up in, we were born into. And so all that needs to be flushed out. Why? So that we can be nets that are strong and clean. Nets to go catch men and bring them in. How does Jesus catch fish today? Through us. Through us. And that's only by His grace. If He didn't want it that way, He could have said, I don't want it that way. But no, it's by God's will that today He sends us out to go catch men. That is not, church, a curse. It's not a curse. It's a blessing. So then, if it's not a curse, why do we act like it is? Why do we act like it's such an inconvenience? for us to carry out the greatest privilege to ever be bestowed upon us, to go catch men for the glory of God. I mean, that's, the the disciples, their whole life changed. Like, they were no longer fishermen that caught fish. Matthew would never sit in that tax collector's booth again. He left his life. You know what their life was about? Catching men. That was their life. That was their purpose. Somebody says, hey, what do you do? Well, I'm I catch men. What do you mean by that? What do you mean you catch men? Well, I'm a fisher of men. What do you mean? Tell me more. Well, there's a man named Jesus. And he changed the world forever when he came. And all that had happened before pointed to him. And all that has ever happened since looks back to him. And these men came from him who were mended and washed. And they began to preach Jesus. And the message made its way to me. And I now follow Jesus, and I want others to follow Jesus. I am not the same person I used to be. I'm a changed man. You've probably met somebody like that before who actually loves telling people about Jesus. But what I'm telling you right now, I'm doing so in love, but I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. Christian, if you're ashamed to share Jesus, then you really need to examine your heart to whether or not you're truly a follower of Jesus. That doesn't make you comfortable, I know, and it shouldn't. But you know what? Jesus didn't come set these guys aside to play games. He knows that catching men is the difference between whether men spend eternity in hell or they spend eternity with God. That's not a game. And he has called us to come alongside and to preach him, to make him known like our changed lives. We're not the same person we used to be. What's happened? We've been mended together and washed. So, how does this look for us at Perimeter Road Baptist Church? You know, catching men, Christianity, is not a hobby. It's not a hobby. Pretty simple, right? It should be your life. It should be your life. You're here today, and when you come through these doors, and you come sit down, maybe you were comfortable today when you sat down, maybe you were very uncomfortable, maybe somebody said something to you that didn't make you comfortable. If they did, come talk to me afterwards. We'll take care of it. Okay, so I don't know how you felt when you came in today. I don't know what your attitude was like. I don't know who you passed on the way here. There are a lot of people right now at this very moment, at Eleven, they're cutting their grass, they're putting their Christmas ornaments up, they're doing different things right now because to them, this doesn't mean anything. I mean, it just doesn't. It's, It's not that important for them. They don't get it. They don't understand why you're sitting in this house today, this thing called church. But for many Christians, just because they come into this house doesn't mean that they get it, okay? What I mean by that is that We have to be careful that we don't treat Christianity like some hobby of ours, just like everything else, that we come when it's convenient, that we're apart as things are going good. But when things aren't so good, I'm going to back away. It's interesting. Somebody said this about uh, those who are sports fans, college football. What is that? What does that matter, right? Okay, so listen. They said this. You know, you call it we when we win. You call it them when you lose. Hey, man, we won. Man, it was awesome. Man, they lost. You know, they gave it away. Ever notice that? Call it we when you win. Call it they when they lose. See, that's how it is with the church, too. When we go through tough things, we don't say, hey, man, them. That's them. No, it's we. It's us. It's us together. We've been mended together. We are closely knit together as the body of Christ, with Christ as the head. Through good times and through bad times, through whatever we face, we're here together. And then we seek to be washed in the word and to know that we have already been washed in the blood of Jesus as our right standing before God. The washing of the word is so that we become stronger and stronger in our faith that we may go catch more men. You say, how do I know if I'm growing in Jesus? You know how if you're growing in Jesus? It's not if you can explain Tulip. It's not if you can go back and explain all the, the ancient teachings, Okay. It, it, you may be able to say that with, uh, without taking a breath, okay? That's, that doesn't explain growth, okay? That's knowledge. That's good. Yeah, There's nothing wrong with growth, nothing wrong with digging into the Word. Who's the last person you told about Jesus? I mean, wh- just imagine this. If the disciples came together and said, Jesus, tell us all you know. Keep going, Jesus. Keep going, Jesus. Jesus, that's awesome. So, Jesus, can we just hang out with you all the time? I mean, just think about that that little simple thought. Jesus sent them out. Jesus said, I'm dying. I will rise again, and then I'm sending you out, and most of you guys are going to die pretty cruel deaths because you love me. That wasn't comfortable. They would have to grow in that process. Yeah, they would have to have the word implanted within them. Yes, studying, yes, but you have to go and tell. That measures your growth in Christ. Are you telling people about Jesus? Church, are you telling people about Jesus? If you're not telling people about Jesus, no one is. As I said before, people don't morph into Christianity. They have to hear it. They have to hear it. Romans 10, 14, and 15. They will not know unless they hear it. You see... I'm not so convinced that we as the church actually believe that people have to follow Jesus in order to get to heaven. Here's one example. We say, what about the people that are in foreign lands that never hear the name of Jesus? They never heard the name of Jesus. So, because they didn't hear the name of Jesus, surely they're going to be okay. Like, things are going to be fine. The only thing different about them and you is that you live in a land where you hear the gospel Often. They live in a land where they do not hear the gospel. They're lost in their sins, just like you were born lost in your sins. If they die and they're lost in their sins, they are separated from God for eternity. So I don't know if I believe that. Well, then you don't believe that Jesus Christ is the only way. You don't morph into Christianity. God doesn't say, oh, for you I will make an exception, but not for this person. Jesus came because he is the only way to the Father, John 14, 6. He wasn't playing. He wasn't kidding around. He wasn't saying, just, just, if it's a preference, if you'd like to come through me, you may come, but you know, if you choose another way, that's okay too. No, Jesus wasn't weak. He says, I am the only way. The only way is that you come through what he did on the cross. So just as a side note, if that bothers you and you say, but the people, who go tell them. Go tell them. Don't just pretend, hey, because if that were the case, if that were the case, it would be better to never go and tell them about Jesus if they could just get to heaven and say, well, you lived in a land that you never heard about me, so... I'll make an exception for you. Then let's not go. Let's not do missions. Let's not tell them, if that were the case, that is not the case. They have to hear Jesus. Your neighbor has to hear Jesus. Your family has to hear Jesus. Your kids have to hear Jesus. What does it matter that you give your kids what does it matter that you invest in them if you do not invest Jesus into them? You want your kid to memorize Scripture? Teach them! But y'all don't have Scripture memory here at Perimeter Road Baptist Church. Check. Yes, we do. Amen, Bobby? We do. You make sure my kid memorizes Scripture. But you know what? It is your responsibility, parent, to teach your kid Scripture. I'm a little passionate about that. And you should too. Quit pointing fingers and making other people do the work that you should be doing too. If anybody's your responsibility, it's your kids. We are to catch men. It's never too early to start. So, church, with great love, we we come to this year. What are we going to do? What are we going to do, Perimeter Road? Where are we going to go? What's going to happen here? What are we going to be known for? Are we going to be known for catching men? Is that what you want to be known for? Is that the church you want to be a part of? Is that what you want here at Perimeter Road? Because that's what I want. I hope that's what you want. If you say, hey, I'm interested in membership here at Perimeter Road. You've heard it. This is our greatest passion right here. This has to be our greatest passion. So here are a few things to help mend us together and then help with cleaning the nets so that we may go catch men faithfully. Faithfully. Because there are no nets thrown out in heaven. You get it? There are no nets thrown out in heaven. And there are no nets thrown out in hell. The nets can only be cast here on this earth. This is the time. So here's what we're about. One, community group. I don't know if you're part of a community group or not. Um, I hope that you are. I hope that you're maybe on a roll somewhere with a community group. But we have community groups that meet at uh, 9 a.m., and then we have community groups that meet uh, somewhere around like ours meets at 5 p.m. in the afternoons. Uh, some meet at 6 p.m. And uh, those groups tend to meet maybe for a couple hours. Uh, and so we have in the morning and at night, we have community groups. And they're, if you want to call them Sunday school groups, that's cool with me. It's not so much about that. It's that we're communing together. We're coming together as a community. We're being knit together. That communicates well. I like that. And so community group, we come together and we study the Bible, and we go through some controversial things at times, okay? We go through some things that may make us uncomfortable at times. Um, We're going to go through some tough passages of Scripture at times. Why? Because it's the purification. It's us getting into the Word, being washed in the Word, us growing in Christ. But all members at Perimeter Road are expected to be in a community group. But if right now you have not found that community group, you say, I just haven't found that right group yet, we'd love to introduce you to a group. We'd love to have you come to a group and and sit in and be a part. But if you're not a part of a community group, you're always going to feel like you're sitting on the outside, okay? That you're seeing things happen and you're saying, hey, I'm I'm a part, but I just don't feel well-connected. Community groups is where you're going to feel well-connected here at Perimeter Road. And so we'd love to to connect you with one of those. At the, at the end of the service, I'm going to be standing in the back with Lee, who is our Connections Coordinator, and he's here to help you get connected, as hence his title, and to get you connected to a community group so that you can study the Bible with others, so that you can live life with others, so that you can have somebody to call when something's going on, that you can have a smaller group to connect with. But again, those are at 9 o'clock in the morning. Those are also in the evening times on Sundays. And church, I'm asking you, get involved in a community group. It's for every one of us. And some of you teach on Sunday mornings. There's actually some options for you to come to a community group on Sunday evenings. That's why I'm a part of a community group. You hear it? I don't just lead a community group. I'm a part of a community group. Um, I teach, preach here on Sunday mornings. And so it's hard for me to be a part of a group. So we started a group on Sunday nights. So that the Anderson household can have this connection as well. And we don't want to be kind of standing on the outside either. And we truly believe that these community groups get you connected. In none of these groups are you going to find the perfect, the perfect teacher, okay? There's going to be flaws in each teacher. But I, I truly affirm and I love the teachers that we have here at Perimeter Road as they teach you Scripture and as you pray together, as you commune together. And so if you maybe have been a part of a community group and you haven't been here lately, now is a good time. I mean, just use the new year to get going. Just use the new year to get going, get connected in, Let's move forward. The second thing is prayer. Prayer ministry that we have here at Perimeter Road. Um, you know, there are a lot of different things that we could choose to do on a Wednesday night. But what we have chosen to do with firm conviction is to pray. And so our children have a time together and, and where they have a children's service and, and activities on Wednesday night. Uh, the student, student ministry of their will does a fantastic job teaching them the word. And they hey, have prayer times together together. And there's a training up there. There's discipleship groups, small groups that meet there as well. And then everybody else comes in here on a Wednesday night. And we join together. And on Wednesday nights, we have men that pray together. And we have women that pray together. And we say, why do, why do we separate them? Because we want men to draw together and, and to discuss things that are going on. And you said that's a little bit uh, too much information for me. I'm not ready to get to that point. It's okay. Come in just to the shallow end, okay? Just get started. But church, I am asking you to be faithful on Wednesday night to be faithful. I get it. We live in a very fast-paced culture and we could choose to do Wednesday night or not do Wednesday night. There are some local churches that don't do Wednesday night, but you know what? They do other things well and at other times. Here at Perimeter Road, we have chosen to do a Wednesday night service to pray, to call upon the Lord to be knit together for men to call upon the Lord, for women to call upon the Lord, to pray for the things of the church, to pray for the things that we're going through. And for those who are faithful at coming, they can bear testimony. that There are powerful things that have happened in their lives and things that we have seen God do because of prayer. And if right now you feel like this is a a guilt trip, it's not. No, I'm asking. I'm saying, come on. Come be a part. Come jump in. I mean, we got a lot of room, okay? We'd love to have you but let's pray together. Yeah, studying the Bible was so important. I had you know, somebody come the, the other day and, and, and they said, well, what do you have? And I said, well, well, Wednesday night we pray. And they said, well, when do you study Bible? Said, the Bible? I said, we study the Bible. I said, we study the Bible in our small groups and we, we study the Bible when we come to preaching. And, you know, we, we pray. Like, why is that just a side note? What if you just read the Bible and never prayed? Would you have a strong relationship with the Lord? Church. You wouldn't. And what if you just prayed and you never read the word? Would you have a scary relationship with the Lord? Yes. And why I say scary? Because you would make him however you wanted him to be. You need both together. They're both important. I'm not putting one above the other. We come together and pray, church. And then once a month, at the end of each month, we're going to have a men's night together and we're going to have a a ladies' night to where you'll draw together and study the word together and, and pray and encourage one another And then we go right back to it, week in and week out. So those who are in leadership, those who are members here at Perimeter Road, I'm asking you, hey, this next year, 2015, let's be strong in prayer. Let's be strong in calling upon the Lord, encouraging one another. And you say, I'm not a good prayer. You know what? Neither would the disciples. Jesus had to teach them to pray. They didn't know how to pray. Jesus started from the ground up with them. And these are men who went out. Change the world. So maybe you're not confident in praying out loud right now. Don't let that stop you because you being afraid of praying out loud and not coming is not a work of God. I can't see God saying, oh, you don't want to come because you don't want to pray out loud. Hey, just stay at home. Just go do all the other activities. And I know I'm talking about something that's inconvenient in your schedule as well, church. It's inconvenient to come on Wednesday night. This I know but let it become a convenience to you through time. Put it on your schedule. Circle it. You know how to prioritize. Do it, church. Let us pray together and see this church grow. See this church grow. I believe it's going to come when we truly take serious coming together in prayer. And so that's one thing as well this next year. Community group, prayer, servanthood ministries. You have seen this. Um, Our servanthood ministries consist of 13 different areas um, that you can be involved in, from baptism to um, food bank to greeters to helping hands, hospital visitation, men's ministry, missions, prayer, section host, security, widows, women's ministry. If you see these cards, it says purify the church, penetrate the culture. That's our mission statement. And when we're talking about purify the church, we're talking about the washing, the penetrating the culture being the knitting together, going out and drawing others in, purifying, penetrating. If you haven't, church member, if you have not filled this out yet, if you have not chosen an area that you would like to be a part of, we've asked that you pick three. Um, You can see Lee at the end of the service. You can also email him. Jot this down, lee at perimeterroad.com. You can email him and say, hey, I'm interested in these areas to serve. You're not too late on this. Now is the perfect time for you to sign up. Uh, Some of you have only sent in one area. You're saying, this is the area I want to serve in, and we appreciate that because we're saying, okay, that shows that that's the area you're zeroed in on. Okay, well, we'll we'll work on that. Okay, so here's what's happening. Here in January, we're gathering all this information together. We're putting you on teams, and each team will have a deacon that oversees these different areas of ministry. And so when we get to February 8th, that is the second Sunday in February, we're going to have a deacon's Sunday where we're going to bring up each deacon. And we're going to bring him before you so that you can see his face and you can be familiar with him. And then we'll let you know what area of ministry he's serving over. And if you're part of that area of ministry, we're going to ask you to stand as well so that others can see what area of ministry you're serving in so that we can be excited about the servanthood ministries here at Perimeter Road. And then you're going to take off. And we're going to see. And listen, church, some of you have asked why we've chosen to do this because we don't do all things well, obviously. And we want to get better at these things. And we want to get you plugged in. So we're admitting that we're not just perfect in all areas, that we know we have many flaws that we're trying to strengthen. And we have called upon our deacons to help in a time of need that we become stronger in these ministries so we may reach out to these areas where we're weakened, where we want to be stronger. So I'm very excited. Thank you for all of you who have signed up. Continue to sign up. It's not too late. February 8th will be the day in which we bring our deacons up. Looking forward to that time. Also looking forward to meeting with the deacons at the end of this month. We'll have a deacon's retreat where we'll pray over these ministries and we will hit the ground running here in February. And also I want to remind you about this, the twelve. Last year I mentioned the twelve as we started the year. And the challenge was is that you as a household, whether you're a one member household or a six member household, that you would reach twelve people in the name of Jesus. That you would take the opportunity to preach Jesus, to speak Jesus' name, to invite them to church. And so I want to challenge you once again, church, that you go after the 12. And you say, why 12? Can't we do more? Absolutely. Please do more. But start with 12 once a month. That's your goal. Once a month, there's there's one person that you're going to reach for Jesus. And maybe then it grows to once a week and then once every day. But start with one time a month, 12. And when you reach somebody and you invite them to church and you bring them here, I would love to meet them. I would love to meet them. But do me one favor, okay? Don't introduce them as number two or number three or number four, okay? Introduce them by their name. They will like that, okay? They're not a project. They're not a number. They're a person who needs Jesus, okay? And we want to invite people to come in, and we want to celebrate with you that you went out and that you cast that net, okay? But then we go right back at it again. We go right back at it again. Just as Peter and them would not celebrate a big catch on one day and then say, hey, man, we're good for the rest of the month. We're just going to hang out. They were right back out there the next day. May we be there day after day after day catching men, going after the 12. And so maybe you put that down. Maybe you write that down somewhere where you see the 12 and you pray for the 12, that you would write down 12 names. Can you right now? Write down 12 names. Can you write down six names? Can you write down one name of somebody who doesn't know Jesus? that you will be committed to reaching this year. You'll cast that net, and you'll keep casting that net, which means you'll share the gospel with them, and that we would start in the one-mile radius. We talked about the one-mile radius, about 5,000 homes. that are in this one-mile radius, and already we've been able to reach many people in this one-mile radius uh, through some of the events that we've had here at Perimeter Road. But maybe you just want to go on a prayer walk. Maybe you just want to walk some of these neighborhoods and pray for this land. I mean, we're about reaching all people in in all areas, but we want to make sure, especially in this one-mile radius, that people know that we're here, that we're their neighbors, and that we love Jesus, and that we want them to know Jesus. So these are the things that I put before you, church. These things, once again, that you would be involved in a community group. And again, I would love to see just a long line of people in the back at the end of the service saying, hey, I need to be connected. Just, Just give me some information, and we'll provide you the information today prayer ministry. I'd love to see a lot of new faces on this Wednesday night. And on this Wednesday night, we're going to take what we talked about this morning. We'll implement a few questions into our prayer time together and that's how that will work. Week in and week out. We'd love for you to come. Love for you to be a part. Come see what we do. Come pray with us. Come grow in this together. And then our servanthood ministry as we just mentioned. And then the 12th. But i finish with this. Let us not make Christianity one of our hobbies. May it be our life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for for this morning and God. My heart was on fire today when talking about catching men. What I'm so convicted of being responsible child of God to go out and cast a net. God, it is a challenge every day to step out and to cast the net because it's never seems to be convenient. And Lord, I know that you have not called us to a life of convenience. You've called us to die to ourselves and to take up a cross and follow you. The cross was not comfortable for Jesus and neither should the cross be comfortable for us. But there is great joy in dying to ourselves and following you. And the joy that we would live out would be well worth it. God, bringing glory to your name above all. Whether good, whether bad, we take joy in all things that we can bring glory to your name. God, thank you for those in this room that have been called and set apart We thank you that we can bear the name Christian. May we see it as a great joy to go carry out the gospel. May we sense the urgency today to not waste time. There's no time to waste. It's now. And it is not a waste of time when we come to gather together as the church to be knitted closely together. God, today, I do not preach legalism to the church, the faithfulness, to come together, to love one another, to encourage one another, to serve together, to challenge one another. That we would constantly be reminded of the brevity of life and the absolute necessity of preaching the gospel, sharing it every day. God, may we go out this week and may we reach the twelve. I pray that there will be hundreds who hear the name of Jesus this week because of a crowd in here that is so stirred by your word, by the power of the Holy Spirit to go and preach the name of Jesus. I pray for faithful servants, Lord. Faithful servants. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you haven't been cleansed, knitted together through the power of the Holy Spirit, You're hearing these things and and you feel like you're on the outside. You don't have to be on the outside. You hear this, you too can follow Jesus. If you call upon him and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I have failed you. I I fall short of you. I trust fully in what Jesus did for me, that it was finished on the cross. Forgive me of my sins. I, I repent of these things and I follow Jesus. Just call upon him now. It's not a magic prayer, it's a repentance. And if you truly know that you have fallen short before a holy God and that the only way that you can be brought to him is through Jesus, call upon him. And in just a moment, as we began to sing, I'm going to be standing in the back with other pastors and counselors. And we'd love to talk with you about how to grow in Jesus, how to follow Jesus. Don't be ashamed to come back there and talk to us. It's the most important thing in this life. Father, we ask that you do a great work among us. Thank you so much our time together. Lord, we continue to sing and worship you now. Move in a powerful way in Jesus' name. Amen.